0: Let's pray to God first. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you that you revealed us through your word. Thank you. And help us to listen to your word and speak to our hearts. Help us to live by your heart, live by your word in your precious name. Amen. A trick or treating. A stranger So our Christmas culture is starting to knock on our doors. Last Thursday night, while I was preparing my sermon at night at home, I had a couple of visitors who were threatening me for a lolly sweet. Behold, the pumpkin and Halloween. It seems that more odys each year, spend October excitedly preparing Halloween costumes and candies. At the same time, increasingly people celebrate Christmas without including the Lamb of God. Many people in the world nowadays have started to wonder about the birth of his baby in Bethlehem. They don't know who this Jesus is and why there should be a celebration. In our preaching series on John's Gospel, we can see that John the writer has a testimony about the goodness of God. He says that God has invaded the the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus reveals God to this world. If you listened to Burns' preaching last Sunday, I believe that you met the other John, known as John the Baptist. As you heard, his ministry could be summarized by this phrase Do you remember? Not me, but him. Good. He was nothing special. He was not the Messiah. He was not. Elijah returned Noah was the was he the prophet he was simply a voice of one calling in wilderness today's Bible reading is the second part of the message of the John the Baptist who is the first witness to Jesus in the gospel he provides direct testimony concerning Jesus the next day, John recognizes Jesus and tells people that this is the one. That's what I want to talk about tonight. What I want to have you see is how the account of John the Baptist about Jesus progressively reveals more and more of who Jesus really is. How it shows us more and more of Jesus, the Son of God, who would bring both forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit. Before moving on, let me explain the important role of witness in messianic expectation. In Jewish tradition, it was not for the Messiah to claim for himself his messianic role and status a primary witness was required, one who could testify to God's own anointing of the Messiah. John the Baptist is presented as the primary witness to Jesus in John's Gospel. John had uh, the goal and the intention of revealing Jesus for who really was. In other words... As far as the gospel is concerned, John is less John the Baptist and more John the Testifier. After having defined himself and the region, he baptizes, his testimony turns to Jesus' identity. He makes two big statements here. So statement number one. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Have a look at verse 29. It is the high point of John's testimony. John, John the Baptist recognizes Jesus as the Lamb of God. His testimony is basically about Jesus the Messiah, who is the Christ. Messianic speculations were in the air. For example, Luke tells us that even before Jesus' ministry started, the people were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And his message is also about a lamb. More specifically, John describes Jesus as the lamb of God. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Speaking for myself, it sounds very familiar because my last sermon was about the Passover in the book of Exodus and maybe lambs in Revelation next year. But there are more difficulties in knowing exactly what it means for Jesus to be called the Lamb of God. There are some other Lamb of God references and none of these are complete patterns. For example, the first time we read the word lamb in the Old Testament, it is spoken by Isaac. And he is asking his father Abraham, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? If you are interested more, you can dig deeper in your growth group as Bun has already provided a wonderful guide, as usual. As you probably know, the idea of Jesus as the Passover lamb is probably one of the strongest aspects of John the Baptist calling him the lamb of God. Remember the significance of Passover lamb. By painting the blood of a lamb on their doorposts, the enslaved people of Israel were spread from the plague of the death of the firstborn. Seeing the blood on their doorways, the Lord passed over them. The lamb was sacrificed on their behalf as Jesus would be in order to take away the sin of the world. And not just from the story of the Passover event, but also from his own experience, John would know the symbolism of the sacrificial lamb better than many because he was the son of Zachariah, a priest. He would have seen lambs sacrificed at the temple at Passover each year as he grew up. And John's first testimony is actually fulfilled when at the time when the passover lambs were being slaughtered a soldier pierced the side of Jesus with a spear bringing a certain flow of blood and water in chapter 19 verse 34 There are two things in the teaching of John John the Baptist we need to ponder tonight First he is making clear there There is no way we can make our own sin disappear. No human being can be set free from the power of sin by their own efforts. John reinforces that point in his letter. Come with me to 1 John 3.5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. His teaching is, We have been born with a fallen, simple nature. Sin twists our identity and personality from our very first moment of life. The fact that some of our desires and habits go back as far as we can remember do not make them right. Our natural tendency is to center on what we want rather than on what God wants. Unfortunately, we can't change the way we are, but God can change us. We can have a new life and a new identity in Jesus Christ through what God has done through him. The simple reason why the Son of God appeared and thus the world became flesh was to take away sin. It's clear. Second, the blessings of the Messiah aren't exclusively for the Jews. Did you notice that? The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, not just the sin of Israel. Jesus' death was intended to cleanse people from all nations from the punishment they deserve, for the wrong things they had done. John puts it this way. Have a look at 1 John two two. He is the anointing sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what I do, I think, is the... Big idea that lies at the heart of John's first testimony in John chapter 1, I think it's this the death of Jesus on the cross. In fact, right at the beginning of the Gospel, John the writer deliberately points us forward to the cross and to its significance. Remember what happened on the cross. Both, John the Baptist and John the writer keep pointing us to the cross. That was at the heart of the testimony. But how did John come to know that Jesus was the Messiah? John had been expecting the Messiah to come to him, but he admits he didn't recognize him at first. In verse 31. John says, I myself did not know him. Again, in verse 33, I would not have known him. What is John saying? It doesn't mean that he had never heard of Jesus since they were cousins and had been born six months apart. However, They may never have met until now, although they were related, because Jesus was brought up in Galilee and John in the lonely parts of Judea. Here is the clue The core of John's witness stems from the sign given at the baptism, the one on whom the Spirit descends and remains the whole purpose of John's baptism was to make the Messiah manifest to Israel. Have a look at verse 31 when John states, But the reason I came baptism with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Again, we see how focused John the Baptist was on his role as testifier. John didn't realize his cousin Jesus was the Messiah who would baptize with the Holy Spirit until he saw the sign of the Spirit dwelling in him. That's interesting, isn't it? His testimony about Jesus did not come from what he knew about Jesus naturally. It came from God. God who sent John also told him what to say about Jesus. Now, Jesus is the barrier of the Spirit. But there is a significant difference between the empowering by the Holy Spirit of Christ and that which happened to the judges and kings in the Old Testament. We read that the Spirit not only descended, but remained on him. The Spirit stayed with him Permanently. Any mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible thus far has been an enabling for a period of time. Others previously did not experience the ongoing and indwelling presence of the Spirit. But John witnessed something very different here. It is promised that the Spirit will rest on him. So the picture points to the promised Messiah, Christ, our Savior, filled with the Holy Spirit fully and permanently, not partially or provisionally. There is one more thing to note. Jesus is the barrier and also dispenser of the Spirit. So what John is saying is that Jesus is the spirit-anointed author of life. John goes on to describe him as he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. This leads to the statement number two about who Jesus was, which is that Jesus will baptize with the Spirit showing that he is God's son. God promised to pour out his spirit on the coming Messiah. And John pointed to Jesus as the son of God who would bring the spirit of the promised new creation and the forgiveness that such a provision implied. This makes the picture of Jesus much, much bigger than John the Baptist understood. Commit me to Ezekiel, 36, 25 to 27. And through Ezekiel, God promises change and transformation of his people through his spirit. I will sprinkle clean water on you. There is some baptism image there. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Can you see what Ezekiel is talking about? We can see a combination of forgiveness of sin, and the coming of the Spirit. God himself says he will come to his people and he will put his Spirit in their hearts. And if you read that whole section of Ezekiel 36, you will see it's all about how God is going to transform his people with a new Spirit. How God is going to replace their hearts of stone with the hearts of flesh the giving of God's spirit would move the people to live obediently, careful to do things God's way. And the gift of God's spirit would lead to repentance. That's something we see in the life of God's new people among us. What happens for Jesus here will happen for his church after his resurrection at Pentecost in Acts 2. We listened to our preaching series on Acts last year. The presence of God's Spirit in our lives is brought by the blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. Thus the second witness of the Baptist highlights Jesus as the one who takes away sin and brings the spirit. And this morning, uh, while I was uh, singing along at 9 o'clock, a couple of lyrics captured me. Listen. Thank you, all my Father, for giving us your son and leaving your spirit here, the work on earth is done. Do you want to join me? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure you can do. Thank you, oh my father. For giving us your son, and leaving your spirit here, the work on earth is done. It's a nice summary of my preaching, actually. Friends, the summary of the witness of John through his ministry is this. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. John gave a testimony of what he saw and experienced. The identity of Jesus is going to get clearer and clearer. It's also going to get bigger and bigger. Finally, the climax of the Baptist testimony will then be that this is the Son of God. This is all the more important in that the gospel was written to bring people to a knowledge of these truths in chapter 20, verse 31. Next week, we are going to see how the Baptist Baptist testimony that Jesus is the Lamb of God will be reaffirmed and bring the first disciples of Jesus to him. They follow, they come and see, they remain with Jesus, and they tell others. And it will be Burns' last preaching too. My sisters and brothers in Christ, the truth we need to grab with tonight, quite simply, the bigness of Jesus, the glorious Lamb of God, John's Gospel is showing us that Jesus provides forgiveness in victory, like a sacrifice for God's people. And that has serious implications for us. If you are not a follower of Jesus yet, how do you respond to the testimony of John the Testifier tonight? As you hear about Jesus, the Lamb of God, and the goodness of the real rescue you need, are you choosing to follow him? If you choose, that's great. Turn to Jesus, listen to him, and follow him. And let him set your hearts free from sin. Jesus is the only one who can deliver the rescue you really need. If you are a follower of Jesus, Are you fixing your eyes on the glorious Lamb of God rather than on yourselves, your problem, or other people? Then, do you make a priority of giving witness to what you know about Jesus in your daily life? At home, at school, at work? I know Some of us would rather leave spiritual conversations to pastors. Josh, it's your job. Vern, yours. Taeyang, it's yours. We'd rather fly under the radar about being a follower of Jesus, but pay attention to this testimony and let the Spirit use this in your lives. So you can move from not only seeing Jesus, but also testifying about Jesus, the Lamb of God and the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Lamb of God, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. Uh, Thanks for taking away the sin of all those who trust in you. And I pray that you will strengthen us, always identify and give witness to who you are. In your precious name, Amen.